welcome to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine and this week I have Rachel from Followers of the Force podcast. How are you going, Rachel? I'm doing all right. How are you today? Yes, it's sunny but very cold here in Melbourne. I It's uh, it's summer, the height of summer here, so it's been really hot. So I it might be refreshing. Uh, it's, it's been a long grey winter and summer was wasn't that warm and then last summer we had the bushfires so yeah looking forward to a normal normal summer that might be nice we're just we're in the middle of a heat wave in illinois so it's uh it's a little hot outside and it hasn't stopped raining no no now above your head there is Mm -hmm. a beautiful print of cassian and Ginoso. Now, yes. over Twitter, this is how we first started interacting because of Cassie and Andor, our shared love of mm-hmm. Rogue One. So yes. how did you get into Star Wars and in particular like Rogue One or just Star Wars? I, I got into Star Wars, honestly, with The Force Awakens. Um, I had watched Phantom Menace and New Hope before that. Um, I watched Phantom Menace in the cafeteria at my community college with some friends because that's how you should watch such a movie <laughs> is you take over the television in the cafeteria and you watch the Phantom Menace. Um, and uh, a boyfriend had shown me A New Hope because I'd never seen it, but we'd never really gone into the rest of the movies. So um, when uh, Force Awakens came out, I actually had it spoiled for me. Um, I had norovirus, so I was home. And I was my my, uh, my boyfriend at the time, my ex now, um, was going to the movie theater because he wanted to see the first new Star Wars movie in years in the theater on opening night and said he'd take me that weekend so I could see what it was all about. So I'm scrolling through. I think I was reading the comments on a Scary Mommy article and somebody posted a picture and says Han Solo gets killed by his and Leia's son and posted a picture of that oh moment. God. And I was like, what? a jerk yes but then i'm like i wanted to still see it so i went to go see it and i'm like i love this i was in from like the first moment i met kylo ren i loved that villain i loved that character and i loved this universe so then over the next like two weeks i watched all six other movies went to go see force awakens again bought my first pieces of star wars merch excellent and at at the time I worked in a school and so because Force Awakens was going into theaters and at the time I believe Rebels was running so there was a kids show on so the kids were into Star Wars so I started doing stuff with that for being the teacher that liked Star Wars for the kids in the school the elementary school I worked in um then um the next year I had made the decision to start trying to go to grad school And obviously the 2016 election happened in the U.S., which was upsetting to me and a bunch of other issues. And at the time, I went to go see Rogue One when I was making all of those changes in my life. Excuse me. And that was the movie I guess I really needed. And I was fascinated with it and that idea of working for a future that you may not see. Um, And it has since then become my favorite movie ever and uh my favorite star wars movie but i still love all of them i've seen all of them except um 
solo in theaters since the release. I got to see The Empire Strikes Back in theaters um, last summer when it was playing at the drive-in, which was really cool. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I kind of came into a Star Wars uh, into a, it late, but um, obviously my favorite era is that like birth of a rebellion. So Rebels, Rogue One, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it's a great time. I mean, I'm very well known for my Rogue One and, and Cassian love. So you know, we can't just have an hour of us screaming at each other, Cassian, but um, but. You know, for me, you know, coming back into fandom for, you know, The Force Awakens because, you know, I'd I'd been a Star Wars fan um, without knowing many other Star Wars fans and, you know, I remember very distinctly trying, you know, my first day at university going to join, like, the science fiction club and being given very very strange books by you know the the guys there yes all guys all men um and you know basically being quizzed about you know you know, are you nerdy enough and I decided mm, no because I don't know all the names of everything so then I yeah didn't do anything but then yeah Disney acquired Star Wars and um, Steel started Steel Wars, which was because I'd already been listening to I Love Green Guide Letters, so I already knew some people there and and so that sort of got me into with some Melbourne people who are my crew. We, we talk constantly about all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, it was amazing that reignition of the Star Wars love with um, – the force awakens and then yeah i was at the midnight premiere for all of them except solo poor solo i just feel sorry I, for solo i felt bad that i couldn't i even had tickets to see it in theaters and ended up returning them because it was i i was a true crime podcaster before i came to star wars podcasting and i had flown to crime con in nashville I had my graduation ceremony from grad school the next week um, during all my finals. And then I turned around and I had to take my final class after graduation. Um, I just had to walk in the ceremony early and I had to do that. And I, I didn't have time to go see solo. <laughs> I was so busy that summer, I think was when the, it was when the last Jedi came out on Blu-ray because one of my boyfriend's aunts had sent me a, an Amazon card and I used it to buy The Last Jedi on Blu-ray. And I watched The Last Jedi and Jurassic Park 3 on repeat while watching or while writing papers all summer. So like this really weird blend of this really terrible movie and this really fantastic movie got me through my last like six weeks of grad school. Yeah, so... Usually, yeah, we'd go to the midnight premiere, which is a Wednesday night, Thursday morning, however you think about it here in Australia. Because, yeah, in Australia, movies are released on a Thursday. Um, so if we've got the midnight, it's the Wednesday night. But also the Marvel movies, like 7 o'clock Wednesday night. So I've already seen Black Widow. Like I went last night, 7 o'clock. Um, 
so I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, me talking about it on Twitter has just been about the trailers so far. But, um, yeah, for whatever reason, it just it didn't suit any of us, the midnight premiere for Solo. So we, we did go on the Thursday night to another one and there was a, a local actor, a very well-known Melbourne actor or Australian actor, but no one outside of Australia would know. He was there in the um in the crowd as well. We're like, oh look, look, look. But then yeah, we saw Solo and we're like, oh yeah. And I don't think I oh no, I saw it once more at the cinema. And that was it. All the rest I'd seen like five times. See, that's the thing is Rogue One is my favorite, but I only saw that at the movies once because um just because at the time I was moving, I was starting grad school, I was ending my job, I was starting a new job. I didn't, I just didn't have the time to go see it more than once. So I, I saw it that once and I really felt it, but I actually didn't, I felt, I loved it. I felt it deeply, but I did not buy that DVD for a long time because it was on Netflix for the longest time, but also because I couldn't, watch it again in that political climate it hit almost too close to home until I began to take inspiration from it but it was it was the one is the one Star Wars movie I saw in theaters during its release that I only saw once because I was just so busy I could not go see it more than once but um I might have gone to see Rise of Skywalker five times (laughs) And it was not even, it's not anywhere near the top of my list. It just happened to be, I saw it once, then my sister wanted to see it with me, and then we could see it at the IMAX at Navy Pier, and then I wanted to see it with my friend who uh, is a Raylo with me, and then um, she and I found out that the theater an hour away from both of us had motion seats, and we had to go see it in motion seats, because that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, until um, they were switching, you know, they're switching from the ground in Exegol up to the battle above yeah. Exegol. And I, every time they did that, it the seat would flip you a little bit backward to show, you know, going back up in the air. And I was trying to take a drink of water and I forgot oh. there was a cut there. So I poured half my water bottle in my lap because my seat threw me. It was, it, it was a trip. But oh. I, yeah. but yeah, so... Uh, I I cannot wait. I am not a Marvel girl, but I might go see Black Widow in theaters just because I just want to go see an action movie with the whole experience and the popcorn and the soda the size of a bucket. And (laughs) And all I'll say is um, very female driven. Oh, good. That's that's the kind of... Nearly all female protagonists, actually. That's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's great. Um, so I've got one friend, you know, here with me. Yeah, we go to all the, the Marvel 7 o'clock Wednesday nights um, and we did go to Wonder Woman 1984 together. That was our first movie out of lockdown and she mm-hmm. said to me, I'm still angry that was my first movie back after lockdown. I... I, I liked it, but I didn't like it. Like, I feel like it could have been better, but I still really enjoyed it, mainly because Pedro Pascal was hilarious. Yes. Like, he did, he went so hard for that movie. <laughs> I, I completely agree that 
Pedro Pascal made that movie. And I think, you know, when I when we came out of it initially, yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, oh, no, it's good, you know, the bit with Pedro Pascal. And I think I liked that bit more because I'd just seen you know, the Mandalorian finale a few days before. So I was still emotional from the Pedro, from Mando handing over Grogu. Oh. And Pedro that Pascal was... being a dad. Oh, God, yeah, that's my thing. It's like he hears, like, we have a role as a single father and his agent's like, I have the man for you. Yes. But, yeah, it was, we watched it uh, the day after Christmas. We got it on HBO Max in the States. And um, so my mom paid for HBO Max to watch it with me. And my sister kept going, you know, that's not how that would normally work for archaeology or science. And I'm like, shut up, Rebecca. (laughs) I love my sister, but every now and then I'm just like, you're not helping. Yeah. I have that distinct memory of in the theatre, you know, when Steve Rogers is amazed by an escalator going, escalators were around when he was alive. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I I enjoyed it for what it was worth, but yes, it was not a, a fantastic fantastic entry i I just see in the states now it's it was um new movies usually come out on fridays so you used to have the midnight release you know uh basically thursday night friday morning but then it started it would have been when i was in sometime when i was in high school like it started creeping where some movies released earlier on thursday so, like, when we all went to go see Rise of Skywalker, we actually went to a later show than most people did. Like, the first show was at, like, 7 our time on a Thursday. We couldn't go until, excuse me, like, 10.20 because that's when my coworker's wife got off work. So, we went to, like, the 10 o'clock show. But it's, like, it's there. It I love that they do it earlier so more people can see it. But it's still missing something of that. I went to the, the Midnights for all the Harry Potters. That was my first big fandom was Harry Potter. So it's missing that getting out of the theater at three in the morning with, you know, a couple of hundred other teenagers. Uh, For me, the the stumble out of um, The Last Jedi at like 2.30 in the morning and and the cinema where we're at at has a lot of stairs and me sort of stumbling down 2.30 in the morning, stunned at what we'd just seen walking into the pub next door where we are going to record a live podcast. And I think I just yelled out, what the hell did we just see? And um, a comedian there just yelled out, we saw a Star War. And it was was just, yeah, it was a lot to taking at 2.30 in the morning. I I bet I... um... I, at the time I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was, I had just recently switched to first shift at the beginning of December. So I went from working four to midnights to working like eight to fours, but I was commuting an hour. So I had, I had driven an hour in. So I had to leave my house by like 645 in the morning. I worked my normal shift. Um, My coworker was off because he was getting his family ready for the movie and just took the whole day off. So I worked part of his shift until like nine and then left to go meet them at the movies so by the time the movie was over at like one in the morning 
I had been up since like six o'clock that morning. I was exhausted. And I'm like, I feel like I just, because that movie moves so fast. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I just had a two and a half hour long panic attack. But I don't, so I went to IHOP and I'm processing into a plate of pancakes and I'm just like, not really sure what's going on. And so I drove home and I'm like, I don't even know what I like if I liked it or not, yeah. but I'm so tired. I cannot see straight. Yeah. But I think if I had a choice, I think even over Rogue One, I would see the last, I, if I could redo the first time I saw a Star Wars movie, I would see The Last Jedi for the first time again, because that's the second that lightsaber ignites to kill Snoke, you don't know what's going on. And yeah. you don't know where this movie is going from here. And I would love to experience that moment again. That, yeah, that crowd, just complete intake of breath and during the holdo maneuver, like the moment yeah. of silence and you can feel the crowd. I was not on Twitter then. I think I had Twitter, but only used it. I have like the official account that I was supposed to be using for school at the time because they wanted you to be on HR professional Twitter, boring, mind you, boring. Nobody ever fights and nobody's ever thirsty on HR professional Twitter. <laughs> um, but so I didn't see it until Friday evening because I was I was going to um, take myself on Thursday as a finals present, but I was still writing papers. So I had to I changed my tickets over. So I was going with my sister and my little brother. And so we went Friday night. So it had been out for like 24 hours at that point, but nobody had spoiled it for me because I wasn't on Twitter and people off Twitter aren't, aren't mean. Yeah. But I was just like, that's, I, I didn't know what was going on. It would be either that or the moment when the lightsaber goes to Ray and the force awakens. I want that feeling in a theater again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at the, for the force awakens, the big moment was, the Millennium Falcon reveal. I think that's when our cinema just went off of cheering. Yeah. See, at that point, I was like, wait, that's the Millennium Falcon, right? My boyfriend's <laughs> like, I know you've seen that movie. I showed you that movie. I'm like, check him. Like, Laura Santeca came in. I'm like, am I supposed to know who this is? And he's like, no. no. Got it. But yeah. See, meanwhile, um, with my love for Rogue One, it's just like everybody's like, oh, I hated that movie. It was so sad. I'm like, but it was a point. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't mean I want to watch it again. I'm like, look, I'm not saying that you, you know, need to understand the point of this, but I'm actually going to be on um, Radio Rebel Pod their live stream this weekend talking about um rogue one and rebel rising which is the the prequel with the book with Jin. yeah so that'll be that'll be fun because i'm like just let me talk about rogue one please if you see like when when the stuff was going around twitter um with like four movies that show your taste three of the four movies i was going for was like um the last jedi rogue one mad max fury road and i think my last one was going to be like v for vendetta and i'm like there's a very rebellion centered theme yes. about my movie taste yeah yeah so 
so I've just watched all the Mad Max movies and yet we we had a bit of a bond over that as well. Did you go back and watch some of the other ones? We did. Um, my friend Robin and I have been watching movies because Canada is still pretty locked down. And um, I work where if it's slow, I can watch a movie or whatever. So we've been going back and catching the movies that are like group watches that we did Star Wars and the last uh, the Avatar series and stuff like that. The movies they didn't want to see, he and I have watched on our own. And, you know, sometimes one or more people will come join us. But um, the first one we watched on our it was because um, I loved Mad Max Fury Road when a friend showed it to me. So we watched that about a year ago and then we went into Alien and we watched all 24 James Bond movies and uh, all the Indiana Jones movies. Um, we watched the Ewok movies and then so we decided we should probably watch all the Mad Max movies. And I think we started about the same time you did. And so I said, you know, I know we watched it at the beginning, but if I'm watching the Mad Max movies, we're watching Fury Road at the end. I don't care if we've already watched it. I need it. And so we went, okay. So we watched all the Mad Max movies and the diagnosis from my friend Jason, who's on um, Followers of the Force with me, but he watched most of them with us, was that the director kept getting more money for the Mad Max movies and he used it to get progressively weirder. Yes. And you know what? I respect that. <laughs> like, he just, yeah, George Miller just went balls to the wall um, and just no restraint, like by Fury Road. It just, it just got weird, but it worked. Yes. Like the first one almost doesn't, because it's supposed to be setting up Max, but it it's just not crazy yet. But then... It just gets weird and it gets weird, but I'm sitting there going, I don't even know what, if I understand it, but I like it. Like Thunderdome. Yeah. In a silver dress and heels. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Like the progression is amazing because yeah, 1979 Mad Max yeah, they had no money. George Miller had just been saving the money from his shifts as an emergency room doctor. And the most outrageous thing is really the villain and how the villain is just so loquacious and just presents himself as just such a different way. And, yeah, they had bikies, but, yeah, they had real bikies as well as being villains it's amazing and then like to go to fury road where it's very unusual for action movies to be nominated for oscars and fury road was nominated for a ton of oscars and it it's a great movie and um I had this argument with my sister who watched the first half of it with us the first time we watched it a year ago that she swears that movie has no plot but that's because my sister sees movies as like the chases and stuff are not part of the plot. They're like extra, but that movies, the whole thing's a car chase. You have to catch the plot in the chase, yeah. which is really kind of cool because movies don't usually do that. 
but I was telling her, I'm like, no, it's a feminist action movie. She's like, just because they're trying to cap take these women, you know, away from sex slavery doesn't make it feminist. I'm like, no, it's because, like, they use older women in action roles. No movie does that. And all of the women are doing stunts. And it's got this message about um, feminism. And I, I love that movie. So um, a friend introduced it to me a couple years back because he's like, you want to watch a movie with a bunch of car chases and feminism? And I'm like, um, excuse me, I'm in. But yeah, that was, uh, I love that movie. I liked the other ones too, but um, Fury Road is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, Sean, who was on uh, last week's, he was saying how it's interesting. You can see George Miller's progression to get to Fury Road in a way, like not only with the costuming, but with just this, oh, okay, this is how you stage a car crash. This mm-hmm. is how you do a chase scene because you go, okay, the um, road warrior, Mad Max 2, you have the tank, the, the tanker. Mm-hmm. Thunderdome, you have the um, the train and lots mm-hmm. of things chasing it and the siege almost. And all of these things progress to where we get to Fury Road, which is just, yeah, one continuous chase almost. Which uh, somebody was asking me what, like, Fury, like, to describe Fury Road, and I'm like, okay. So it's Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy being badasses for two hours at 70 miles an hour the entire time. And they're like, really? I'm like, no, this entire movie's a car chase. Like, you have to pick up the plot at during the car chase. And it's amazing. I will admit that um, if there's probably pictures on my Twitter, um, I decided last year when I went through a rough patch with moving and a breakup and everything, I shaved my head because I had seen Mad Max one too many times and decided (laughs) I was having a shaved head like Charlize Theron, which, mind you, Mad Max was not the only influence on that. I'd also seen V for Vendetta one too many times, but there's the thing for a while that's one of my friends started calling me Furiosa because I had a shaved head. I actually have a, I don't know if you knew this, they made Furiosa pop figurines, like with the little, and oh. so I have a Furiosa Funko Pop over yeah. on my shelf. But yeah. But, um, you know, with the original trilogy of Mad Max films, all filmed in Australia, you know, the original Road Warrior filmed down here in Victoria and Melbourne because there's whole sections where you go, okay, that's Spotswood, that's the bridge down the road to Geelong, you know, that's the car park at Melbourne University Um, and there's, you know, other bits of Australia but Fury Road wasn't filmed in Australia because we had too much rain one year, bizarrely. The Um, one year. Yeah, yeah. But it's just crazy that what what they filmed and and it's, you read on IMDb and you see little bits that you know, Tom Hardy and Charlie's Theron had no idea what they were filming until they mm-hmm. saw it. I mean, that would be one because they and half of those effects were practical too. Yeah, you know what my thing forever for Mad Max Fury Road will be let's put a guy on a truck full of speakers with a guitar that shoot flames. <laughs> Why? Because we can. Yes. And I just I 
it's I come from a background. I went to school to be a stage manager, so I've worked in theater a lot. But there's that moment where usually you justify artistic choices made, but every now and then you just look at something and you're like, we're going to do this because it's cool. Yes. And that is the point where they did it just because it was cool. Yeah. The the doof, the guitar player with the drummers, uh, you know, just, just following behind, giving the beat the, the whole way. Um, I... I joked that it reminded me of um, back in the 90s when people would do what were called chaplaps. Um, so Chapel Street, um, uh, Street here in Melbourne, people driving their cars just up and down on like a Friday and Saturday night, um, music blaring, the subwoofer, the back of the car bouncing with the power of the subwoofer. Um, and that's kind of what that reminded me of, of of just going out, music blaring. Yep. See, oh. that must be like the universal teenage experience because <laughs> we did that in my hometown. It was called Cruising the Loop because there's two, um, the main route goes through my hometown, but in downtown it splits into two one-way streets. So you'd take it where, you know, the last street that connected it around all the way up to the other end of downtown where the last street, you know, connected it. And because the speed limit's only like 20 or 30, you have to go kind of slow, but you can turn your music on and be all out the windows because it's slow. And so you'd go cruise the loop on a Saturday night. So apparently this is a universal teenage experience. Yeah. yeah. And of course we got to see or get to hear Charlie's theorem saying fanging it. Now I've got to ask, did you understand what she meant by fanging it? Usually, yes, because um, I think there's enough context for most of that movie to understand, yeah. you know, she means go for it or floor it. But some of the slang, I, I guess it, it made so much sense in context that it was only later that I went, wait a second, I had no idea what that meant. But yeah, because, yeah, yeah, fanging it is an Australian term. It's not something that they made up for the movie. It's an Australian term. Um, so, you know, you fang it on your bike until you stack it. Yeah, you stack your bike. Do you know what I mean by that? No, you, you crash it. You oh. have a stack. So that's why you know, we had a, a brand of, you know, bike helmets called the stack hat. As, as someone who on a, like, standard pedal bicycle has been hit by a car, I appreciate that. <laughs> I um yeah I I I I got uh, knocked off my bike by a car when I was like nineteen so I, oh. I I appreciate that I will I will tell you to wear a helmet yeah but yeah there's um just that, that I don't know I loved that movie and I love the soundtrack um if you ever want to really have a fantastic driving experience put that soundtrack <laughs> on on the highway and avoid the cops because yes. there, you cannot drive the speed limit no. to that soundtrack nice. It's banging. It is banging. I uh, I told somebody we were watching Fury Road and um, when Charlie says they're looking for hope and Max says, well, what about you? And she said redemption. And I'm like, and this has become a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and my friend goes, you know what? By that criteria, it might work. Yeah. But yeah, it's a 
It's a fantastic movie, and I I really enjoyed it. I love the theme of the the rebellion in it. I actually have a a um, I have a cricket, so I I make vinyl decals for my car because sometimes I'm cool. And um, I actually have Furiosa's dagger and the words "We are not things" on the back of my car, which is really funny when I have Mad Max on my car because I drive a hybrid, so we're not <laughs> we're not the road warrior. We drive an ecologically friendly car. Yeah, I drive a very very mundane Toyota Corolla, but we can yeah. pretend. Yep. Yep. It's uh, yeah. That was one of them. I was watching uh, you guys go through those. Let's see. The other movies I'd seen recently, I've seen the Indiana Jones movies, which was new. I saw Aliens, which was new to me a couple, couple months ago. We went through all 24 James Bond movies. And let me tell you, in all 24 of those movies, there's only like six plots. Yeah. Yeah. Dire. There's, there's a lot of repeating in James Bond but no one cares. It's, um, it's I'm I'm waiting for no time to die and I'm like I'm sure it's not going to be a cinematic masterpiece. Skyfall was, I don't think no time to die will be. But I want to go to a theater and watch people zoom zoom and shoot each other for 2 hours. I want. Exactly. That's yeah. all I'm looking for. Yeah, to see yeah, James Bond just doing James Bond stuff. People keep going into these things with expectations, and I'm like, I just expect one-liners and car chases. And yeah, yeah, that that's whole whole expectation. Yes, but yeah, that was my 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 list of movies has been knocked off, and then there's uh. My friends and I were actually doing also group watches during the pandemic, and we watched. All 11 Star Wars movies, all of the, the Mandalorian season one, which was all that was out then. We watched two and a half seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender. God, what else all did we watch? We watched The Princess Bride. Excellent. Yeah, which is always a good movie. I think we watched that one twice because we decided we liked it. So we watched it again a couple months later. So now we're talking about watching all the Star Wars movies again. And so the debate has been last time we did them, uh, OT uh sequels rogue one solo prequels don't remember why we we were just people didn't want to watch the prequels because they grew up when they hated the prequels yeah so we we decided to watch the sequels first um we watched rogue one on easter because i said it was it was our great story of sacrifice for your easter sunday but um so we started talking again about what viewing order we'd do this time did we want to do chronological did we want to try and do uh like people do machete order or the nesting doll order which doesn't include rogue one and solo and somebody goes no we need to watch the rachel viewing order i'm like what's the rachel viewing order they're like you watch rogue one sobbing into your pint of ice cream and say that rebellions are built on hope and i'm like you're not wrong, but you might be being mean right now. And one of my friends is like, if the shoe fits. I wrote one. I think people have, people, I think, initially sort of dismissed it as, oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's okay, but it's not, um, you know, part of the big story, whatever. But I think everyone's sort of coming around on it and enjoying it more and more. Um, well, I at least they do in my presence. 
I've discovered Rogue One Twitter is small but mighty. And it's the same. Like somebody on Twitter says Rogue One and I'm like, I need to send this to Catherine. And then I turn around and you're already on there. I'm like, apparently all of us have the same like radar. It's like one of my friends loves Darth Maul. And so if you mention Darth Maul, I'll go to send it to her, but she's already there. I'm like, do you have a Google alert set? <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, you know, my ears go off. If someone mentions Cassie and or I'm like, where? Someone, yeah. I just like jumping, going, someone. There, I was searching through, I follow a page uh, called Stuff That Women With Law Degrees Say, um, because it's like it's a fun, politically-minded page, but somebody uh, was posting a meme the other day that said, um, I think you saw it on my Twitter, it's, uh, oh, some somebody you know might have been radicalized or whatever, because there's been a bad disinformation campaign on Facebook in the U.S., we're just a whole ass mess up here. Um but then it said me and it shows a picture of Jin and Cassian on Jetta just looking, trying to look innocent. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's me spreading my my politics on Facebook. But it just it just popped up randomly. And I'm like, I love how Rogue One memes just randomly come into my orbit. Yeah. Yeah, that. Seeing it for the first time, it was a lot. I mean, I have to meet. I love the Tarkin. I love the talk and I don't see anything wrong. I don't, I don't know if it's the fact that I, as a, like, I'm not somebody who's like, I don't remember faces very easily. And like Luke, even in the Mandalorian looked fine to me. Like I, apparently my brain doesn't do uncanny Valley because everything looks fine to me. I'm like this, maybe I'm just distracted by story. I don't know. So yeah. When Tarkin turned around, I remember in the cinema, Again, that you can take a breath and someone just going, oh, shit. You know, just amazed at how good he looked. Um, but what got me was when Red Leader and Gold Leader flew into the Battle of Scarif. I, I started crying. I didn't realise they were the same people because I hadn't seen, I'd obviously seen New Hope multiple times, but I don't think I'd seen them enough to recognize they were the same people. Sorry, my dog has decided he's now on this podcast. Oh. Um, if you see his head popping up. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize they were the same people, but that was something I learned later and it turned out into a good thing. The thing that got me, because I'm already emotional at the end, um, I went to go see it with my boyfriend at the time and his son who was 13 or so. And his son reached over and held my hand during half the Battle of Scarif because for a Star Wars movie, it was frightening to him that there was a lot of people dying. Yeah. And so he grabbed my hand. So I, I kept him, you know, he was sitting through that with me. And, you know, we got through Jin and Cassian's beautiful demise. Um, it's rough. It's hard. I want that movie to have a sequel so bad and for them to have a happily ever after but I wouldn't change the ending to that movie because it's just so perfect. Then obviously you get Vader being a badass yeah. and then Leia turns around and says, hope. I think that was the first point in the theater. Cause I'd, I'd kept it together for the rest of it because I was just taking it all in, lost it. Just. Lost. And I can only say that it was good that I saw it before Carrie Fisher died, because if I had seen that scene after Carrie Fisher died, cause she died right after Rogue One came yeah. out. I would have not actually made human noises. Yeah, so I'd seen it, 
a couple of times before she passed and then I was taking my nephews. At that stage, they'd still go to the movies with me. Um, now they're cool, you know, 16, 17-year-olds. They're not going to go to movies with their auntie. Um, but anyway, they came with me and, yeah, that came up. And, yeah, my nephew reached out and held my hand because he knew I'd be emotional. I still, watching Rise of Skywalker, like, the ending gets me emotional, but I have never, I've seen that movie seven or eight times at this point, and I lose all of my shit when Leia dies, because every time it's like going back to that day we lost Carrie, yeah. and it just rips my heart out. And um, my friends and I actually did readings of the Star Wars sequel trilogy because we were a bunch of bored actors who didn't have any theater to do because of lockdown. So we all, you know, took a couple of roles and we read through these and we had one of my friends who's a professional actor director in Nashville came in to play older Han Solo. So we did it for the first movie. He couldn't come in for Last Jedi. And then he told me, right, because we were trying to get him in for the cameo for Rise of Skywalker. But he said he wanted to really Harrison Ford it. So he just wanted to not let anybody know. Everybody thought we were going to do a recap of like I was I had it done multimedia and I was going to screen share is what I told them. And they thought we were just going to flash back to the previous one with the girl playing yeah. Kylo acting through it. No, he comes on and says, hey, kid, and turns his camera on and just the chat just lights up. They're like, you told us he couldn't make it. I'm like, do you know how hard it is? There was multiple scripts circulating for this because the only three people that knew this actor was coming back were the girl that played Kylo Ren, him, and me. So I had to do all of the like the stage directions leading into and out of that scene to keep the scene a secret. But I'm sobbing. So I'm trying to read the stage direction to say that Han is back and I'm crying my eyeballs out. Both from Leia's death and because I played Ray, so I had to be crying in this scene before and we're just we're just a whole ass mess at this point, just trying to do this scene. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. We did Rogue One too, which was also um us playing a game called how many times can we kill a single actor in one show because some people kept just like they, they die as you know like somebody at the beginning then they die as a pilot then they died on Jedi. i think our record was during the sequel trilogy the guy who played most of the old old men roles so he played uh lor santeco snoke captain kennedy Palpatine but we also made him every stormtrooper that got shot in the middle of a line because it was funny at that point so we killed him like probably 10 times excellent and so then he was the only one that survived in Rogue One because at that point we're like we've done this joke too many times oh careful buddy you're hitting my mic yeah it's it's funny how certain movies and characters just resonate with us. I mean, I don't have the the same, you know, political, you know, connections in not being in America during mm-hmm. that time, but still Cassian's story about how, you know, he's still fighting for a 
a better world because he's had to, but that he's done things he's not proud of. You know, I, I'm so interested in that, in in seeing what that story is. So I'm, as everyone knows, I'm very excited for Cassian, for Andor to be yeah, released. I am. I am actually kind of mad they named it Andor because I'm like, you could have gone with so many other cool titles, but you know what? Go for it. But we were just talking about that. Um, I was on the Followers of the Force news show right before this, and there was only two of us on. So we were basically giving the news and then all of our opinions. But um, one of the stories from two weeks ago when we'd had to cancel the show was that there's new, you know, set photos released from Andor and seeing all these different things we were talking about how cool it was that they're shooting on location versus in the volume, like um, Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi, yeah. and um, that show with the get- Mandalorian, that show. Yes. But yeah, so it, I, I've just, um, I am so excited. I want to see this even before Rogue One, because that's when we start to see um, the rebellion coming together as in Rogue One and Rebels. And I want to see before that. And I want to see like this. I guess it goes with the idea that my favorite Bond movie is Casino Royale, which is the reboot where you found out what made James Bond, James Bond. And that's why I liked Solo, because you found out what took this guy to become, you know, cynical Han Solo. I want to see what brings Cassian to the point in Rogue One where the first idea he has is to shoot someone in the back and run and i want to see it and i also don't want to see it because they're going to hurt my precious cupcake and i don't want them to yeah he's he's gonna go through stuff and that's the thing as i said i wanted a casino royal of star wars and i had friends um i used to be in a, a discord server that was specifically for rebel captain shippers for Jin and cassian and we we're just crazy but um, they're like, well, you know, we, we know where he ends up. So any family or love interest is we know what's going to happen to them. And I'm like, I, I want it and I don't want it. Because, again, I want that Casino Royale where you see James Bond lose his love and find out what makes him into the hardened man he is. And I also don't want it because, again, they're going to hurt him and it's going to hurt me. <laughs> I wouldn't see, you know, obviously he, in the missions he goes on, but the other elements of the rebellion. So, you know, do we get to see him with um, the guy who shoots in the back? I always forget his name, Tevik, I think yeah. he is. Um, and there's Merrick, who's blue leader, um, mm-hmm. Melchi. I- I am really, do you think, okay, so there's rumors that kind of said it sounds more official that they're saying Melshi's coming back. Yeah. Do you think they're going to bring back Krennic? Sorry, I, this is your show and I'm asking you questions. No, it's perfectly fine. I, I mean, I want it so bad and I think it is entirely possible now, I think it might be something right at the end of season one and we see more of him in season two because, of course, I'm writing season two. I'm, I'm saying I, this, you know, lots of seasons. I just, I want lots of storylines, not all of them involving Cassian, 
and I don't want Cassie and Krennic to literally cross paths and see each other. But what I'd like is to see some imperial side of things and, and you know, them working on projects and maybe Cassie getting some kind of sniff of those yeah. projects of the other side, but not necessarily right. them clashing. That's kind of what I've been talking about with Kenobi is because they're bringing back Hayden Christensen and you want that duel in A New Hope to be the first time they met. But I think they might be showing both sides of the coin in that one. And I could see that also in, in Andor, which I would be, obviously, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is a joy as Krennic because he's having, I I wish to enjoy anything as much as he and the guy who plays Moff Gideon enjoy being evil in Star Wars. Yeah. Because they're both having the time of their lives. Oh, loved it. They're loving and, it. I, I, every bit of it. And um, I was interested when they started talking that there's rumors that Forrest Whitaker's coming back. Because that starts to be the one thing I do not want them to do in Andor. They cannot make Cassian and Jen meet any earlier. Because it would really, like, I could see them passing but they can't do not retcon this. Do not make them meet earlier. It would mess up my whole life. No, they, they can't meet earlier. It can be after Saw Guerrera, you know, dumps Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, I could but, almost yeah. see doing a thing, like I've said with um, Kenobi, um, where they almost cross paths or you see both of them, but I don't think they'll get Felicity Jones back because she's a new mother. So, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and so. she hadn't seen Saw for, what was it, eight years by the time of Rogue Five, One? I think. Five. She's 21 in Rogue One and saw Dumpter when she was 16. Yeah. So it would be about five years. Yeah. I was doing this timeline for somebody the other day because um, apparently... That's the thing is when people like do that annoying quiz they do to decide if you're a fan enough for them. I remember silly details about books and movies. Like I was a Harry Potter trivia champion for years because that's the way my brain works. But like, don't ask me to find my car keys. But if you want to know what Saul and Uncle Vernon saying while he was uh, hammering up the letterbox in the first Harry Potter movie, it was tiptoe through the tulips, but couldn't tell you where my car keys are. Um, but yeah, so all of that is I became the followers of the Force timeline girl because I remember where everything sits on the Star Wars timeline. And so they go, okay, we're going to see Saw Gerrera and Bad Batch. Rachel, what does that mean? I'm like, well, if we jump forward a couple years, we might see Jin pushing for it. And they're like, well, how many years? I'm like, well, you see, if you carry the one, it'll be five years after Order 66 that uh, Jin Erso is orphaned, or at least her mother <laughs> they're like how do you keep I'm like don't ask questions it just it's it's what I use my brain space for instead of you know like useful things but that was that was me going through all of it is because I think they've changed where they said Andor was gonna be it's supposed to be a couple years before Rogue One but it I haven't heard the final definite date no and I think I heard originally five years but it could be yeah. I mean, I'd love to see all the disparate cells coming together to become that alliance. And I think it wasn't until 
yeah, Rogue One, when it really dawned on me, you know, after all my life of watching you know, A New Hope, of them being called a rebel alliance, that I finally dawned on me, oh, they're not one big harmonious group. They were a whole lot of disparate groups that, yeah, came together to form an alliance because it suited them. But, yeah, they're not one homogenous thing. And so I'd like to see some kind of formation of, you know, Bay Organa and Mon Mothma getting these cells together. I mean, yeah, more Bay or more, more Mon Mothma. I was going to say, I haven't heard, I've heard absolute confirmation we're getting. Okay, that's thunder. Sorry, I was trying to figure out if it was thunder outside or if my neighbors were shooting off firecrackers again. Um, I've heard we're definitely getting Mon Mothma, which is great because yeah. I... I am big on on when she comes back. I haven't heard if Jimmy Smith is coming back yet, but you would think he'd have to because that's so important to the rebellion. And also, please, I love that character and I want him in more things. Yeah. I was hoping for him in Bad Batch and it was not him. (laughs) I was was hoping so hard that was the contact. And I'm like, everybody else is like, woo, Rex is back. And I'm like... I wanted to be somebody else. Space Jimmy Smiths. Um, As opposed to Psalm Jimmy Smiths, which is what we're getting in in the Heights, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Or I've seen him in such different roles. You know, NYPD Blue, way back in the day. Of course, on West Wing. And then he was a villain on Dexter. Um, Organa. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that's my favorite. It's when a, a, an actor you know comes into a crime show to be the villain. Like it took me years to find out that the replicator on Criminal Minds was Mark Hamill. I'm like, you're a dumbass. But sorry, am I allowed to say dumbass on this show? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just at that moment when like it's an actor you really know, and you're like, oh, they're killing people now. Yeah. That's new. Uh, but yeah, I just, I want to see so much of this alliance because I just, I'm, you know, 10 years behind everybody else and I'm just watching Rebels and I love that early rebellion, all of the cells coming together. I just watched Jedi Knight. So I just watched Dave Filoni step on my heart a few times. It hurt a lot. I made some inhuman noises yeah. and just all of that coming together so I would love to see more of that and to see it in not that Rebels doesn't get gritty and I don't want shock value for shock value's sake but that's what I liked about Rogue One is it showed this is war this is not something cute this is not just this cute little alliance this is war and war is messy and people get hurt and you see that happen um I guess because you see civilians in, you know, the other movies kind of get taken out, but not very much. Like you, Alderaan is off screen. You don't see who dies on the Death Star. You don't see the civilian cost of war. But when they're blowing up Jeddah, there's a little girl caught in the crossfire. And if you read the novel, you find out she dies 20 minutes later when the Death Star hits the planet. And I'm like, I didn't need to know that. Thank you. Ow. But yeah, it's that real 
for a series shaped around war, it was the first war movie they gave us, and it was fantastic. Yeah, and you know, you keep thinking back to that line before they leave for Scarif, where spies, assassins, saboteurs, we've all done things. You know, you know to yeah. paraphrase, they want it to mean something, and to. Mm-hmm that they've felt like they've done all sorts of things. They want it to mean something. They want their lives, their sacrifice to have meant something. And this getting the plans for the Death Star meant something. And so, yeah, I want to see what they've done. And Yeah, I mean, and I want to see the toll it takes on them. There's this, this line in Rogue One that I absolutely adore that says, I feel you, some chair, says something about a prison. And he says, I feel like you carry yours wherever you go. And you re- it's the first time, like, cause you get the idea that other people, you know, in the wars have, you know, some trauma or whatever, but you almost never see them show it. But Jin as a heroine openly is upset by what she's seen and loses hope and regains it. And you get the idea that Cassian is haunted by his past, that what he's done. And it really is the first time that it kind of really took that on, that that mental toll of war. Excuse me, because like you see Leia, I mean, she's so strong and that's great about her, but she loses her whole planet and you never really see her grapple with that. Not on screen anyway. No, it's all, Yeah. But it's that that moment where you start to see the human costs and people calculating it and people like you get the idea in going to Endor that, you know, they know they might not make it out. But this is the time when you they realize going in like there's a point, at least in the novel, that Jin is told they no longer have an extraction plan. And she's like, "Okay, cool. Dying here. Got it. Let's go. There's not. There's that moment of oh hey that sucks. Okay, let's keep going. They don't care, and they, and you very much see Bodhi have that moment of oh we can't get out, but yeah. he he doesn't express that to those around him that he keeps them going, that they need that hope. Bodhi is the best boy, and I will die on this hill. And I I saw something the other day that said um, talks about how. I mean, technically, if you think about it, Bodhi, by defecting, saved the whole galaxy. I mean, other people helped, but that one moment of one person making the choice that I don't want to be involved in this set off this chain of events. And yeah, I, I'm so glad. Um, did you? They didn't make a Bodhi Black series until now. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, they're making it um, this year's fifth anniversary of Rogue One. So they're making, making, um, not that I have my new gen Funko or no new gen Black Series already on order. No, totally didn't pre order that on the first day. I, um, yes, may have pre ordered two Cassian Black Series because now he's got the brown jacket on, not the blue Parker thing. Oh, he's so. I, I did originally put it up to four, but then I went, no, no, I'll, I'll two, and then I'll I, get more when they're on sale. 
I also broke my rule because the only character I buy Black Series of is Jin, but I did pre-order a Galen because I love Mads Mikkelsen so much. He's going to be in the new Indiana Jones. And I love it. Yeah, I, I, I've loved him since I saw him in Casino Royale. So I'm I was like, well, he walked out in Rogue One and I went, wait a second. That's the bad guy from the my brother and I go to see all the Bond movies together. So when we see other movies, we're like, hey, wasn't he in a Bond movie? We went to go see uh, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and uh, the fifth one. And my brother elbows me and goes, that's Silva from Skyfall. And I went, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, a lot of the actors in Bond turn up in lots of other things. Oh, yeah. It's just because I've, I've, I watched so many of them. It was like, well, this is my first point of reference for a lot of actors. And then, like, Madonna showed up in a Bond movie. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in. I don't yeah. care anymore. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh. So, yeah, that's just um, I collect Jin Erso merchandise. And I... So Amazon had it where if you add a MasterCard, you got like a $30 promotional credit. And I promptly spent it on all sorts of Rogue One things today because it was free money. You know, I just, I'm just, my living room is Rogue One themed, as you can tell from the thing behind me. Um, One of my friends, the theater producer I work for, um, bought me the gigantic movie theater Rogue One poster to put on my wall, like full-sized movie theater Rogue One poster sits on my wall now because he's like you know what you didn't have it and you needed it i'm like cool 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 so yeah that's my my fun because he we always joke that i'm rogue one and he's starfleet because like he has a diplomacy to dealing with other people and he's like your first thought should not actually be kicking someone at the throat and he goes never mind i've seen your favorite movie that's probably better than a lot of things you could do (laughs) oh yeah that's well, no, Captain Cisco on Deep Space Nine. Sometimes he just punches people in the face. I haven't got. I'm still on Discover, which we've talked about that too, which yeah. is uh, our, our shared love for broody space boys and Ash Tyler. <laughs> God, one of my friends goes, "Oh yeah, I'd watched the first season of Discovery, and I knew where that was going, but I thought I'd let you enjoy the time you had with him." And I'm like, "You broke my heart." Oh, uh, yeah, and I yeah. don't know. That was so good. I got to keep watching that. It is the dumbest thing when I watch at work. The work internet will work for Paramount Plus, but not the commercial before Paramount Plus. So I have to, each episode, connect to my cell phone Wi-Fi, let the commercial play, then reconnect to the work. I'm like, but yeah, at one point I was sewing my tutu for pride and I watched like 10 episodes of Star Trek Discovery in a row. My my coworker's like, why are you yelling about Klingons? And I'm like, look, okay, <laughs> don't ask too many questions. Yeah, I am, um, because I had get my second Pfizer shot and I was very sick for like a day and a half. So I got through season and a half or so of um, Deep Space Nine, just re-watching it. I love that show. I've been told I need to watch so much more Star Trek, uh, but that that's the producer I work with. That's that's his franchise. Like Star yeah. Wars is mine. Star Trek is his. So now we've realized that we have to occasionally walk into each other's universes so you can speak across the geek dome. Space Space Nine is probably my favorite um, because it has it's seven seasons, but it's 
it does have an overarching story and and it's really one of the first television series I can ever remember that had a continuous story because before that, you know, Star Trek episodes, you could watch them in basically any order. Deep Space Nine changed that. You yep. had to watch it in order. And the last couple of seasons especially was so serialised. It was just amazing. And, yep. you know, the people who worked on that, you know, they went on to Battlestar Galactica and all these other things that you would like and know. So, yeah, Deep Space Nine. Obviously, the first couple of seasons, there's some ropey episodes. And in the fifth season, there's one episode which, even my rewatch, I'm like, yeah, nah, skip. I'm, I'm not watching that one. I, I don't. I don't have to. That's, uh, I was watching um, Supernatural at the beginning of the pandemic because I get to like season six of Supernatural, which is when it gets really weird, and then I start over. Um, but there's this episode that entirely focuses on bugs. And I'm like, nope, can't do it. I have never watched this episode. I'm just like, no, I will read the synopsis because I cannot do this. But that's like getting into Discovery, which is more obviously a serialized yeah. show versus I was always one for like police procedurals, which have like a kind of overarching story. But you can kind of just like, I'm the worst. When I decided to uh, take myself on a vacation, like I went on vacation in uh, April, but it was COVID vacation, which means I took a day off of work and I checked myself into the a hotel in like the next town over because I dropped my dogs off with my ex. And then I just watched really bad TV for like eight hours. But I'm just like, because I'm just surfing police procedurals. So I watched like two SVUs and then a, a Chicago PD. And a, you don't have to know anything. that You can come in halfway through the episode and still figure out what's going on. So watching like a serialized show like Discovery is kind of new to me because I actually have to know what's going on. Um, one for me that I like is Elementary. It's a nice one to just... Um, I've heard good things. I, I, I was a, a BBC Sherlock fan, but I haven't seen Elementary yet. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah, good fun. And Johnny Glee Miller, great. I will have to check it out. I am always looking for They keep, because everything's going to its own streaming service now. And I'm like, I think it would have been cheaper to pay for cable. I only got Paramount Plus to watch the Indiana Jones movies. And then I started watching Star Trek. And I'm like, cool, now I'm in. It's yeah, it's very frustrating how fragmented all the, the streaming services are now. You're like, I want one, maybe two shows on this service. Is it worth it? And you go, Oh, you know, it's only ten bucks, but but it all adds up. Yeah. Well luckily I uh I managed to um like I get my Hulu with my Spotify free. But I don't ever watch Hulu. Like one of my friends asked if she could borrow it to like watch one thing. And I'm like, I think I still have Hulu. I can't say I've watched anything. And so there she's like, well, now I have the list of things you should watch on Hulu. And I'm like, add it to the list of things I should always watch because I'm literally just going to watch Supernatural again. That's where I keep ending up. You got to you got to watch the like... um I was sewing masks at the beginning of the pandemic and I'm like, I could watch something new or I could watch The Last Jedi for like the fifth time this week because I could understand the story while I was sewing. I was trying to talk my mum into getting, she hasn't got any streaming services 
I was trying to talk her into one called Britbox, which is here, which is, as it sounds, just all the BBC shows. I've heard good things. So it's got, you know, all the Doctor Whos, like going back to 1963, but also all of these period dramas and, yeah, your Vera's, your Midsummer Murders. So I was trying to talk mum into getting that so I could get her password and things. She's like, no, no, I'm fine. I don't want any of those things. I'm like, mum, come on. See, my mother is both she has cable but she does love love her streaming services um kim's convenience was her new one for a while and uh but she and my sister uh dvr all of the british mystery shows my father bless his heart just got discovery plus and he is happy as a clam right now he's like i have so many documentary shows and i was like cool cool dad you can pick and he's like you pick something off the discovery plus so we spent um three hours the other night watching the crocodile hunter because i missed that show so you know we're all sitting there going yeah he's like oh no it's angry proceeds to touch it and i'm like yes this is quality television (laughs) i watched that show religiously as a child so i was like having having a moment in flashback that was a day when in australia when when steve Irwin passed that was that I I cried for hours. I loved him so much. But yeah, I can only imagine. But yeah, th- just being able to have those, sh- those. It was the shows I grew up on on Discovery Channel, <laughs> and it was the greatest thing ever. When my dad got Discovery Plus, and meanwhile, my dad is the typical dorky American dad. And he's like, "Ooh, I can watch fifty programs about World War II." Oh, dad. Yeah, I am. Um, admittedly, last night I, I got home flicking around and I was like, oh, here's a documentary about the elder brother of um, Charles I. Excellent. I'm watching that. So, yeah, I, I watched a documentary about Prince Henry Stuart. Um, so. I've, I've watched some. Uh, what did I get for a while while watching? There was like a Curiosity Speaks channel or something on Amazon Prime I ordered for a couple months. And while writing a paper for grad school, I watched the entirety of Walking with Dinosaurs. Because it was I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I've been watching a lot of like train documentaries on, on TV and also a couple of train channels on YouTube. Um mainly like London underground and there's one he's like 17 or 18 year old kid here in Melbourne who's like going around on the trains um so my osteopath just laughs at me because I watch these we we talk you know Mandalorian and Star Wars then we talk trains because I've, I've turned him on to watching these train YouTubes he's like no they're, they're soothing it's nice yeah and the comments are all nice. Yeah, it's like great. And uh, yeah. my thing that I end up watching is I end up going on YouTube and watching Air Crash Investigation. And then I wonder why I'm a nervous flyer. But I love these disaster documentaries. And actually, that's 
I'm a um a, a dramaturg for a show now. A dramaturg does like the historical background for a play and helps make the materials for the audience if needed. And it's a theater for young audience production, so we're tying it into educational resources. But it's all about nine eleven. And this this um the director is a friend of mine, and she was going to pick a a younger or a different dramaturg to work with her younger cast, and then she went. Oh, I forgot. Our other producer is Disaster Girl, and she's good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I've watched a lot of 9-11 documentaries, so that's my new thing. I'm like, I just want to hear about the human side of these huge tragedies. But then you, like, try and work, you know, when you try and work your new interest into conversation, and you just watch people slowly. <laughs> I mean... That was when I when I did true crime too. I'm like, do you want to talk about how they caught the Golden State Killer? And everybody's like, what the hell? Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Rachel. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I've had a good time. Where can the good people of the internet find you? They can find me on uh, the Followers of the Force podcast, which you can find on any podcatcher. Um, if you want to follow my random thoughts on fandom, politics, or life, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Built on Stardust. So, yes, you can follow That Geek Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Catherine underscore Neen, counting down Andor every day even though I don't know when. I was going to say, they haven't given us a release date. <laughs> it's my villain origin story. <laughs> it's just, we're one day closer. We are one one day closer. And if you don't, I, I one of the days, I think last week, I didn't see you post a, post a picture for it. And I'm like, is she okay? <laughs> like she didn't post my Andor picture for the day. Yeah, I am. Um, I try to do it before I go to bed. That's my timing. You going to bed is usually about the point that, like, you know, I'm starting my work day. So yeah. time zones are fun. Yeah. That geek pod will return.